Choose friends wisely. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In uh, excuse me, 2009, ESPN did a feature story about the one with no legs being carried by the one who could not see. I referenced it in Friday's email to you. It's called Carry On. It's about the loyal and inseparable friendship between D'Artagnan Crockett and Leroy Sutton. D'Artagnan and Leroy. Leroy lost both of his legs in a tragic train accident when he was 11 years old. D'Artagnan declared legally blind from a condition called Lieber's disease. Both grew up in Cleveland. Both went to the same high school together. Both wrestled. And they could wrestle. Both of them. D'Artagnan carried Leroy to every match. And then D'Artagnan sat Matt's side every time his friend Leroy wrestled all throughout high school. The powerful part of this story called Carry On happened in spring of 09 when Leroy achieved the personal goal of graduating from high school. But the personal goal was more than just receiving a diploma. Even at a high school where the graduation rate was at 40%. Leroy's triumph was in walking across the stage in newly fitted prosthetic limbs. D'Artagnan did not carry him the day Leroy graduated. And where was D'Artagnan? Oh, he was there all right. Walking side by side with his friend. It was the first time that the two had walked together side by side as they graduated from school. Side by side. That's really a good definition about what biblical friendship is all about. Two people walking side by side, walking together, walking toward a common destiny. Someone once said that a friendship begins uh, when someone says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. And the journey begins. Toward a common destiny. You see, that's part of what makes a friendship a healthy friendship. That the friendship is about something. That there's a common goal. There's a common destiny. And the two walk side by side toward that common destiny. Uh, People who say, you know, I just want a friend. Uh, They don't make very good friends. What they want is a teddy bear. But friendship is about a common direction, a common destiny, a common future in which they want to walk side by side. And Proverbs gives us much needed wisdom about walking side by side in a God-honoring friendship. And so what I want to do this morning is um, I, want to, I want to tell you what the big idea is. I'm going to do that. I always do that. I want to tell you what the lesson is that I want you to learn if you forget anything else. We'll talk about the big idea and what that is. And then I want to take that big idea, I want to explain it, and then I want to apply it. 
very practical words of wisdom in choosing friends. Before I do that, though, I just feel like I have to just share with you what's so important about every topic that we've studied in this Proverbs series because it's so easy to preach poorly through the book of Proverbs. And by that I mean this. When it comes time to talk about our tongue and truth-telling, it's so easy to say, now church, stop lying, start telling the truth. Okay? Okay. Let's have the offering. Now church, Stop being proud, start being humble. Okay? Okay. Uh, now church, you know, stop hanging around fools for friends and start hanging around wise people. Okay? Okay. It's just kind of a moralistic lecture. It, it can really you know, devolve into that, and that's just no fun. It really isn't. It's no fun at all. There's not good news in that. Here's the good news. Church family... There once was a king, and he came to this earth as a peasant carpenter, and he spoke like God would speak, and he acted like God would act, and he uh, lived like God would live in the flesh, and then he died a death that we were unable to die. He was crucified and buried, and on the third day, this king rose And he has ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he has sent his Holy Spirit by grace through faith upon his people. And he has called his people to be holy, to be a royal nation. He's called us to be a a holy priesthood that we might represent him throughout the world. Now based on that calling, based on that choosing... Here's how to live like an heir to a coming kingdom that will never end. That's how we need to think about everything that we think about in the Bible. It's how we need to think about the importance of choosing friends wisely. Otherwise, we get into this, if you obey, God will love you. That's not this message. This message is, Jesus is our king, and he calls us, he loves us, he redeems us, he has forgiven us, he's bequeathed to us an inheritance, and he wants to unify all things in heaven and earth in Jesus. Now, based on that, here's how he, the king wants his people to choose friends wisely. You see the whole different tone that message has, and so... So here's the big idea based on the truth that the kingdom is coming to his people. It's it's simply this. If you want to be wise, you must walk with the wise. If you want to be wise, you must walk with the wise, but a friendship with a fool suffers harm. That's the big idea. If you want to be wise, you must walk with the wise, but a friendship with a fool suffers harm. It's it's based on Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. All that Proverbs says about friendship can be underneath that proverb. He who walks with the wise grows wise but a companion of fools suffers harm. If we want sober judgment, then we need to find friends who want that too. 
If we want to strengthen our convictions, then we need to seek friends who courageously stand for what they believe. If you want to be merciful, then we need to associate with merciful people. It's really simple. Wise people intentionally rub shoulders with other wise people. And as a result, they become wiser. They become more discerning. They become more mature. And they become more and more like Christ. He who walks with the wise grows wise. On the other hand, a friendship with the fool will suffer harm. A friendship with the fool, you can wreck your life. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Bad company ruins good morals. You hang around bad company. You're going to look like them and act like them and talk like them. Now, I mean, I'm American. Cut me, I bleed America. My family has been in this country over 200 years. And Americans, I mean, we love our independence. We're liberty lovers. We cherish our individuality. At the same time, our associations and friendships are like darkly dyed garments that bleed all over. And and what bleeds between close friends are values and convictions and morals and habits and goals, whether we know it or not, whether we're willing to admit it or not. We may say that we're individual, independent people, but the truth is we're deeply influenced by the wiser, foolish behaviors of our friends. So if your life isn't going as well as you wish it would, or if you're not solving the problems that you know, you'd like to have solved, or if you've not reached the goals that you have set, this proverb challenges you to reconsider your associations. Could it be that perhaps your friendships are stunting your spiritual and vocational growth? Could it be that your friendships are deteriorating your character? Could it be that you're gossiping more because you're hanging around gossips? Could it be that you fudge on the truth because you're hanging around with liars? Could it be that you are acting foolishly because you hang around with fools? Do your friends require you to act foolishly in order to gain their trust? You need to find a new friend. And now someone may be thinking, wait a minute, pastor, that's judgmental. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. I mean, this proverb assumes such things as wisdom and folly. And we need to be able to tell the difference. A man with two horribly failed marriages went to a counselor. And in their sessions... The counselor helped this man see his assumptions that he had about his relationships. And here is what they discovered. Here's what he discovered about himself. He discovered that he had an operating assumption that sounded something like this. If I treat you nicely, you'll treat me nicely. If I treat you nicely, you'll treat me nicely. And the counselor said, well, now, why? tell me more. Why do you think that? And well, the person went on to say how you know, he had grown up in a home that believed that there was no such thing as evil. That evil and sin and folly, it, they're just a state of mind. They're not real. And then on top of that, 
this man had discovered through his counseling his propensity to be a people pleaser. Well, you combine those three. Propensity to be a people pleaser, growing up in a home that didn't believe at all in evil, just a state of mind. And then on top of that, a working assumption with people that if I just treat you nicely, you'll treat me nicely. This guy was set up for a disaster in his relationships. And why? Because he had no category for foolish, evil, or downright sinful behavior. He had no way to categorize that. And, and therefore, he had no training as to how to live among sinners. He had no way of discriminating between wisdom and folly. And he had no way of discriminating between wisdom and folly in his own life, you see. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is judgmental in that we're discerning the difference between character qualities, foolishness, and wisdom. Someone once said, if you don't know why you got into trouble yesterday, you're likely going to end up in the same trouble tomorrow. So if you want to be wise, you need to walk with the wise. But a friendship with a fool suffers harm. Now, I want to answer a question that I hope you're asking right now, which is this. Well, what does a wise friend look like? And Proverbs tells us. I want us to consider three characteristics, three qualities of a wise friend. And here they are. Loyalty. Sensitivity. Honesty. Loyalty, sensitivity, honesty. Let's talk about loyalty first. The proverb we read earlier was Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. At all times. All times. Good times, bad times, routine times, three in the morning times. Reliability means being there when the chips are down. This friend is not going to let you go to ruin. This friend is committed to you. It doesn't matter where you, whether, where you live or what you drive or what your title is at the company. It doesn't matter what school you attended. They are for you. They're for you. A friend loves at all times. Uh, Proverbs 18, 24 echoes this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions. Now note what's being matched there. Many companions, few friends. Many companions, few friends. Many co- companions, many acquaintances, many people that may know you, but they're not going to be loyal to you. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Many companions, few friends. Look, I hate to be the one to break the news to you, but most people who know you and associate with you do so because you're useful to them. You are. You're a means to their end. And guess what? You too. They're useful to you. Useful for getting things done. But the people that you know, there's the true friend in there. The friend that does not made you a means to an end. You are the end. Not going to let you get to the bottom. You can count on me even when it costs. Loyalty. I talked about D'Artagnan and Leroy a little while ago. In the Bible, um, this kind of loyal friendship shows up in the life of, of 
uh, David and Jonathan. Uh, so much of the Proverbs come to us by way of Solomon. Solomon's father was King David. King David's best friend was Jonathan. And they were two very uh, different men from very different backgrounds. David was uh, kind of a lowly shepherd boy, a ruddy, youngest of the boys that Jesse had. And Jonathan was reared in court. He was a prince. He was was heir to the throne. But David and Jonathan became best friends. Their loyalty was unbreakable. And here's why. In spite of the fact that they grew up from different backgrounds, they both possessed unrivaled confidence in God, especially in the midst of impossible situations. And that's what knit their hearts And so if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 18 and read verses 3 and 4, you'll find that Jonathan, who was heir to the throne, gave David his robe, his armor, his sword. He gave David his sword. That's significant because in Israel's military arsenal back then, they only had two swords. 1 Samuel 13 tells us that. And Jonathan gave David his sword. And Jonathan gave David his belt. What's all of that about? Jonathan realized that David was heir to the throne. Jonathan realized that God had selected David to be his father's successor. Jonathan realized that he was not going to be king. And he was good with that. Why? Because his loyalty was to God, just as David's loyalty was to God. And their friendship was inseparable, even though they realized that God would take them into different journeys and paths. The same destination was the glory of the Lord. And that's why they could be so loyal to one another. Oh my goodness, there's a friend. Loyalty. Well, on this loyalty is another feature of wise friendships, and it's honesty. Honesty. You need loyalty to be able to share honesty with a friend. A wise friend's an honest friend. Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6 teach us this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So do you see what's paired there? Open rebuke, faithful wounds. Hidden love, enemy kisses. I'm talking about the friend who looks you in the eye and says, you know, Randy, here's my best thoughts about what I see in your life. Randy, here's what it's like to be with you. Here's what you have said that's important. Here's what you've said that's a delight. Here's what you've said that's dark. Here's what you've said that's self-centered. And here's what you've said that's just flat out wrong. You got a friend like that? You're a rich person if you've got a friend like that. Your wise friendships are those in which occasionally one friend will need to wound 
another friend. Out of love, I'm going to say things that you don't want to hear to help you be wise. And when you have a friend who is willing to do that out of love, you should be able to endure that kind of wound. It seems counterintuitive to seek friendships where there will be words that wound. But, but listen, whoever said that getting wise was easy? The alternative? Hidden love. Hidden love. So if I love you but am I'm unwilling to be open to you or to reprimand you, then I'm hiding my love. If I'm the type who tells you what you want to hear as opposed to what you need to know, then I am your enemy. I'm no better than Judas who betrayed our Lord with a kiss. And then Proverbs 27, 17. It's a famous verse. Probably every men's ministry across the country has this on their banner. It's a good verse. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. That is inspirational. We're going to be around each other and sharpen one another. But let me ask you something. What happens when iron sharpens iron? What happens when iron strikes iron? There's friction. (laughs) There's clashing. There's clanging. Sparks. And you should want a friend whose opinions and insight clash with your own. A good friend who can play the devil's advocate. A good friend who can be a contrarian. Who can look you in the eye and say, you've not, oh, hogwash, Bolting House. You've not thought it through. You're not seeing the whole picture. See the field. Come on, man. You've got to look at it this way. Look at, look at it from their perspective. Now, come on, get with it. You know why this doesn't happen more than it should? You know why. Because I'm afraid to hurt your feelings, Right? I'm afraid, I'm afraid to hurt your feelings. No, in reality, I'm afraid to have my feelings hurt after you get mad at me for telling you what you need to know. So if we value candor and honesty, we're going to sharpen each other. If we don't value candor and honesty, two things will happen. We will either become hypersensitive to the helpful critique of others and thus always be losing friends, Or we will fear critiquing others and thus be a useless friend. Loyalty, honesty, and then sensitivity. Sensitivity. And it's, I mean, this is the skill of wisdom, right? Because you may be thinking, wait a minute, he just told me to, you know, strike my friend. (laughs) Now I'm supposed to be sensitive about it? Yeah. Any questions? You're going to love this verse. Proverbs 25, 16 to 17. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Get it? Yeah. (laughs) Honey's good. Honey's great. Especially in Solomon's day when they didn't have refined sugar. You know, there wasn't stevia. Didn't have that. And honey. Found this honey. What a delight. Well, what what, what at first can seem like a delight can be too much of a good thing. Right? And friends are like honey. And a little can go a long way. Why? 
wise friends give their friends space. They give them privacy. They don't have to be constantly calling or texting or showing up or emoticoning them. They don't have to do that. Okay? There's a time to get together, enjoy one another, and then it's time to go home. I, I enjoy our friendship. Go home. Okay? Go home. Now you have scriptural justification for it. Proverbs also teaches us sensitivity as to the timing and the manner of our interactions with our friends. The timing and the manner, okay? And you're going to love this next proverb, especially if you're a night owl, all right? Proverbs 27, 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing, <laughs> Okay? Now, that offends me because I'm not a night owl. <laughs> I'm a morning person, okay? But it is wisdom, right? What's early in the morning? That's wrong timing, whatever the time is. You've got to be sensitive to timing. And what's loud voice? Wrong manner, wrong manner. So we need to be sensitive to the timing and the manner of our introductions, our interactions. And, and, and furthermore, furthermore, Wisdom knows, wisdom knows when to let our friends have a bad day. Proverbs 25, 20. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Isn't that interesting? So, so back then, back then you would cover a wound. You would not expose it to the cold, okay? You, you would... Soothe it with balm and oil, not with acid. See? I'm trying to help. Well, sometimes trying to help means saying nothing. Job's friends in the book of Job, another wisdom book in the Bible, did wonderfully for seven days. And then they opened their mouths. Okay? All right? A wise friend can quickly read the emotional temperature of his or her friend. And being present with our friend is one thing, but just trying to fix them, well, that's another. And then there's one more verse about sensitivity in our friendships. And it has to do with humor among our friends. It's Proverbs chapter 26, verses 18 and 19 says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. See? So, so that, that's a, there's a lesson there for us in our interactions in public when our friends are with us and what we say. And so, you know, to assert a, that a damaging lie or a damaging joke was only done in jest, well, that just adds insult to injury, doesn't it? And, and you know, humor is a lot like anger uh, in itself, not wrong, but it can go wrong very quickly. And so we need to be sensitive. Loyalty, honesty, sensitivity. Three features of the wise friend. The wise friend. And so... So the foolish friend is not loyal. The foolish friend is deceptive. The foolish friend is callous. See? 
And we're not to walk with them. We're not to be influenced by them. They, they might be your companion, but not your friend, see. Because there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, as we're reading these verses about Proverbs, someone might be thinking, well, well, I wish I had that in a friend. I wish I had a loyal friend or a sensitive friend or an honest friend. I mean, I wish someone would be my friend. If I could only have that. And if there's someone here who may be thinking that, would you please allow me to lovingly wound you? Let me rattle your cage. Let me ask you some hard questions like, well, are you loyal? Are you honest? Do you respect boundaries? Do you know God? Do you have unrivaled confidence in God, especially in the midst of impossible situations? So you don't attract who you want to be. You, you attract who you are. And, and furthermore, this idea of attracting, that's to attract, well, that's something passive, right? That implies something passive. You know, you're going to come to me. And that the point of this message on choosing friends wisely is not, you know, look, don't think that if you wait long enough, three made-to-order friends are going to suddenly show up in your front door and say, here we are, let's do life together. You know it doesn't work like that. We need to take initiative, and that means taking risks. We need to get out of our passivity and take action. And we need to enter the world of another. And I think that begins with prayer. Prayer. Our elders would be up here for prayer at the conclusion of our service. And we would love to help you pray for your friends, both present and future. We'd love to help you lift up your present friends in prayer. We'd love to help you ask God to remove those annoyances about your friends. We'd love to help you plead with the Lord to help your rebellious friend conquer sin. And we would love to help you pray for your friends, not only in the present, but in the future. Praying for friends that you have yet to meet, but you'll encounter in the future. That God, will bless, that God has a blessing for you in the future that you don't even know about. Is there any better way to deepen biblical friendships than on your knees in prayer? If you want to walk with the wise, you've got to be wise. But friendship with the fool suffers harm. You know, the most touching part of D'Artagnan's and Leroy's story was not just their friendship. It was actually the friendship that was formed by Lisa Fenn. Lisa Fenn, who's she? Lisa Fenn was the producer of that 12-minute piece. And she lived with these uh, men and followed them around for five months to produce that 12-minute piece. And because uh, that's what she did for ESPN. She just shot feature Sports stories, human interest stories. But instead of just shooting this piece and then moving on, she stayed in their lives. She started an education foundation to pay for their college. She became a friend. Uh, and, you know, here almost five years later, you know, Leroy has graduated from college in the computer field. And then D'Artagnan... After he graduated from high school, 
He trained for the London Games in 2012, the Paralympic Games, in judo, and he took the bronze medal. And just this last spring, the State Department commissioned him to be a sports envoy to Turkmenistan, teaching judo. She wrote about their friendship and about a conversation that she had with D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan once asked her, Lisa, why did you stay? And she said, well, because I love you. D'Artagnan said, yeah, but why? I mean, why did you stick around and do everything you did? And by stick around, she meant like the time that she drove D'Artagnan to the dentist to drill the first of 15 cavities. Or, or the time when she taught Leroy how to pay a bill. Or the time when she sat with D'Artagnan at the Social Security office to apply for disability benefits, something he could have received his entire life, had someone bothered to submit the paperwork. Or the time she soothed the burn of Leroy's broken heart and his phantom limbs. She said, I stayed because, you know, I think D'Artagnan had waited his entire life for someone to want to know him, to someone who would truly see him. And I stayed because I believe Leroy had been emotionally abandoned too many times. So I stayed because they began to believe that I actually cared. I stayed because I was not going to be next on a list of people who would walk out and over their trust. I stayed because things like this don't happen to kids like them. And I stayed because faith and love and hope and rejoicing can happen to kids like them. I stayed because we only get one life and we don't truly live it until we give it away. I stayed because we can change the world, but only when we enter another's world. I stayed because of love. Lisa then told about a time that she took D'Artagnan to the eye doctor. She said, you know, I asked D'Artagnan if he would include me on the consent form so that I could, you know, access his records if need be. And then later that day, she said, I received a call from the office administrator of the eye doctors. The administrator said, Lisa, I just thought you should know what D'Artagnan wrote on his consent form today. She said, somewhat undone. She said, next to your name, Lisa, on the release is a space that says relationship to patient. And D'Artagnan wrote, guardian, angel. Choose friends wisely. Jesus is a wise friend, loyal, honest, sensitive. John 15, 15 says, the king says this to us. The king says this to us. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. And then the king says this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. 
That's Jesus. Why would we not want to walk side by side with him?